So glad to be here with you today, and as usual, it's a great honor and a privilege to be sharing the word with you today, and I do not take it lightly. I'm so thankful to be in this body of Christ, where I can literally say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's just good to be here with you. Uh, And we're going to dive right into the narrative. Uh, Today, it's a long narrative. It's an involved narrative, and I want to talk to you about how good is God. Now, when I begin reading to you the narrative, you're going to think that my, my uh, cream filling has slipped off its Oreo because <laughs> we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah today. But I want to say to you, it's real important that you not let familiarity breed contempt. The gospel starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. And the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is no different. And so here we go. Genesis chapter 19, verses 23 through 29. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. How good is God? Ladies and gentlemen, Sodom and Gomorrah was not God having a bad day. On August 6, 1945, the United States dropped a 9,000-pound bomb, Little Boy, on Hiroshima, unleashing 12 to 15,000 tons of TNT on this manufacturing center of 350,000 people. On August 9, 1945, the United States dropped a 10,000-pound bomb, Fat Man, on Nagasaki, which was a Christian community, killing close to 40,000 people instantly to end war with Japan. And though these were civilian cities, the United States stated this was a moral act as retribution for Pearl Harbor, according to President Truman. But aren't you glad that our God is not moral, moral, moral? He is holy, holy, holy. And his judgments are always pure, right, and righteous altogether. And as with every good story, it's important we start at the beginning. Genesis chapter 12 And by the way, we're going to go through the Word of God this morning. Is that all right? All right. We're going to be scriptural as possible here. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Now, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and his nephew Lot went with him. Unless I'm missing something there, there's a problem. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 reads, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. How good is God? 
God chose a random cowboy to be his partner in covenant. And though God is met by Abraham's immediate disobedience and taking his nephew Lot, God keeps his promise to Abram in that 4,100 years later, there is still a nation smaller than the state of Georgia called Israel. God will always keep his promises. How good is God? Genesis chapter 14, verses 11 through 16. This is the first time you hear of Sodom and Gomorrah. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Ashkol and of Anor. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan, and he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobna, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsmen, Lot, and his possessions, and the women and the people. How good is God? The story of Sodom and Gomorrah begins with deliverance and not doom. Though he knows the end from the beginning. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ladies and gentlemen, whenever we see the world as a hopeless case, we may have forgotten hope has a name. Hope has a name. God is the eternal optimist, and even if these are the last days, Acts chapter 2, verse 17 through verse 18 reads, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God is never done. How good is God? Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 through 18 says, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him? God, thrice holy God, chooses to be accountable to Abraham, his covenant partner, who, by the way, had already failed in covenant. He basically had pimped out his wife, Sarah, to Pharaoh. By lying and saying that she was not his wife, but his sister, just to protect his own skin. Jesus chose to be accountable with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death, even though they were all about to deny, betray, and desert him. Ladies and gentlemen, I love this generation. They love to be transparent, don't they? And man, that is what we ought to be. We ought to be honest and transparent and accountable. But ladies and gentlemen, is the church, the body of Christ, willing to be the agency of goodwill, a safe haven of trust where transparency and honesty is welcomed? I thank God for this body. You know me and I know you. Let's continue to be accountable one to another. How good is God? Genesis 18, verses 20 
through 21. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done all together according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Notice right away the initial motive of God is to respond to a cry for help. Then notice that God chooses to be incarnational for the sake of perspective before casting judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, I can be real opinionated about a lot of things and call things black and white, but apparently for the God who is love being all-knowing is not enough. He wants to know from our perspective how good is God. I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus didn't give a sermon until he had lived here for 30 years. God refuses. God refuses to judge us before he has our perspective of suffering. How good is God? Though God obviously plans to save and rescue, he invites us to join him in intercession. Genesis chapter 18, verse 23 through 25. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Aren't you glad God speaks fluent human. I mean, Abraham is just having a fit here and he's missing the goodness of God in that he approached him in the first place, knowing he has a vested interest in Sodom, his nephew Lot. And what Abraham would also fail to realize is what David would later say in Psalms 14, verses 2 through 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And Abraham said, far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what God is going to do. Abraham couldn't have imagined that the one to whom he now speaks will someday be impaled to a cross between two thieves next to a trash dump, bearing the sins of all men and the judgment of God upon that sin. How good is God? God has already foot the bill for sin's debt before Adam ever took a bite of forbidden fruit. But here, holy, eternal God, probably pre-existent Jesus, plays an odd game of deal or no deal with fallen mortal man when the stakes are actually lowered from 50 righteous down to 10. And he knows better than anybody apart from him, no one is ever righteous ever. How good is God? He loves to save, but he gives us the privilege of joining him in intercession. Regardless of the fact we don't understand everything or know his will. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people. Somebody say all. all. 
all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Now, for just a minute, let's notice the progression of Lot's sin in Sodom. Genesis chapter 13, verse 12 says, Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Genesis chapter 14, verse 12 says, They also took Lot, the son of Abraham's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went their way. Then we come to today's narrative, Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Meaning Lot was either a member of the city council or is the attorney general of Sodom. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody ever wakes up a chronic liar or an alcoholic or a sex addict or a meth head or a control freak. Sin always takes us farther than we plan to go and keeps us longer than we plan to stay. But ladies and gentlemen, how good is God? He goes to unexpected places at unexpected times to save those who least expect him. Psalms 139 and 8 says, If I ascend up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Ladies and gentlemen, the biggest revival I've ever been a part of was on Bourbon Street, New Orleans. I was a nutty youth pastor. You better be glad you have Pastor Nathan. (laughs) Because I took my youth on a mission trip to Bourbon Street, New Orleans. God forbid. And you know what it's like. I mean, there is porn running on every TV all up along the sides of the streets. I mean, there's bars where people are shooting up and they're drinking and there's violence going, especially after dark. And you guys, I'm there with my youth group and the church that sponsored us gave us a nine-foot cross and said, you're going to need this. If you're going to minister to anybody in Bourbon Street, they've got to have a standard to know where you are. So I'm standing there holding a nine-foot cross with one of my young men. And by the way, they're dropping beads. And so every time the beads dropped, I'd say, turn, so he could avert his eyes. (laughs) And you guys, a a gentleman walks up to me. He had to be like six foot four, which means just like David and Goliath with somebody as short as me. (laughs) And he looks down at me, and he says, sir, somebody in your group told me to find you the guy that's holding the nine-foot cross, because you had something to tell me. And ladies and gentlemen, I've never experienced words of knowledge ever in my life. I looked at that man, and what came out of my mouth was, you need to do exactly what your mother told you to do. That man dropped at that cross, and he started crying and praying out to God to forgive him and to change his life. And he's yelling this above all the noise around me. And he gets up and he says, why in the world did you tell me that? My mother died two weeks ago. And the last thing she said was, get your life right with God. God shows up in the most unlikely places at the most unlikely times. And in Genesis 19, verse 1b, when Lot saw them, he arose 
and met them and bowed with his face to the earth. How good is God? Jesus, when he walked in the flesh, was always more easily recognized by the spiritually broken because he chose to be. From the Roman centurion to Zacchaeus to the thief on the cross. On the other hand, Jesus was tried and found guilty by a jury of priests, a crowd of the most moral and conservative God-fearing people in history, not in Rome or Syria, but the holy city of Jerusalem during the highest holy holiday on the religious calendar. God chooses to be seen by those who are most spiritually broken. Psalms 107, 10 through 13 said, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. How good is God? Even in the face of imminent judgment, the angels choose to be present with Lot. Genesis chapter 19, verses 2 through 3. My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, no, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Notice, not mere tolerance, but acceptance. They were present with Lot, even as the clock was ticking to the last minute. Please be continue, Please continue to be present with your small group, Please continue to be present with your neighbors. Please continue to be present with your coworkers. You have the time to simply be present. Jesus, barely breathing, saved a penitent thief. How good is God? This is the subject that we've got to tackle, and you knew I'd get there. How good is God? Our gender and our sexuality is a gift given to reflect the perfect love of Jesus, heaven's most eligible bachelor for his bride, the church. Therefore, Leviticus 18, 1 Corinthians 6, Romans 1, 1 Timothy 1, Jews 7, all make it abundantly clear that homosexuality is sin. And Jesus, by defining gender and sexuality, for what it is clearly declares what it is not. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And I'm sure some would ask, how can God force me to deny my sexuality, my proclivity? Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8 reads, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the great equalizer, which means everyone can deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Jesus gave up divinity. We can give up a proclivity. 
Genesis chapter 19, verses 4 through 11 says, But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people, to the last men, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you. Do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Lot's moral compass has been so skewed by his environment, he stoops to a game of would you rather and offers his virgin daughters rather than break the Middle Eastern code of hospitality. How good is God? He offered up his perfect righteous son as a sacrifice to a ravenous mob who brutally tortured him to death rather than allow us to face eternal damnation. How good is God? To save the dignity of the man Lot and his daughters, the angels stricken the men with physical blindness, much like their spiritual blindness. How good is God? Good enough to deliver you and I from temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Everybody say amen. amen. How good is God? He is willing to save anyone. Anyone. Genesis 9, verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place. Ezekiel 33 and 11 says, say unto them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Ladies and gentlemen, God needs us. But that language breaks down into the verity of eternal weight. Because without God, we can't. Without us, God won't. Ladies and gentlemen, that could have been an exodus like the Israelites leaving Egypt. God said anybody... So many people have said to me, this is based in the Abrahamic covenant. But God says through his angels, anyone you have in the city. Amen. Lot just wasted his time with his son-in-laws, and that was as far as he went. And anybody knows your family's going to be the last one to listen to you. <laughs> but he had literally all night to get anyone, including the men that were struck blind including the men that were struck blind. Those who go to hell go uninvited. Anyone that goes to hell will go uninvited. But Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, 
and I will give you rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. How good is God? The angels waited all night for Lot. Genesis 19 and 15 says, As the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the city. Ladies and gentlemen, the beauty of this is Jesus only lived 33 years and rushed his final week to die for us on the cross, and he has tarried 2,000 years to judge the world. He has tarried 2,000 years. Revelations 22.20 says, Surely I am coming soon. Apparently, 2,000 years is too soon. Because he is waiting for that one last lost sheep, that one last lost coin, that one last lost son or daughter. How good is God? He wants to deliver us and save us more than we want to be saved. Genesis 19 and 6, but Lot lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. Isaiah 63, 7 through 9 says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel, that he had granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up, hallelujah, and carried them all the days. Psalms 107, verses 14 through 16, he brought them out of, how many of you can say the Lord brought you out? Because you wouldn't have come out on your own. The Lord brought you out. Hallelujah. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shadows the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. How good is God? He makes salvation and deliverance accessible. Genesis 19, verses 17 through 22. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh, no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? I don't know if it matters or not, whether it's a little or big. But anyway, and my life will be saved. And he said to him, Behold, I grant to you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoke. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Ladies and gentlemen, Hebrews 10, 19 through 20 says, We have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Ephesians 2, 17 through 19 says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Jesus went back to heaven and left the front door open. Because the throne room of God has an open door policy and we can all go boldly to the throne of grace. How good is God? Evil has an expiration date. Ladies and gentlemen, sin is contagious, it is infectious, and it is 100% fatal. 
Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 through 50. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me. So I removed them when I saw it. You see, Sodom and Gomorrah are buried under the Dead Sea, a sea so dense with salt, you can literally float on it. As a matter of fact, the wealth of Sodom came from salt, which is why it was so appropriate that Lot's wife, unable to release Sodom, became its greatest source of wealth. But how good is God? Where sin increased, grace abound all the more. I'm trying to get through all this. I'm sorry. It's one thing to get a man out of Sodom. It's another thing to get the Sodom out of a man. Genesis 19, 30 through 38 reads, Now Lot went up out of Zor and lived in the hills with his two daughters. And this is not PG-13. He was afraid to live in Zor, so he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with their father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Ladies and gentlemen, sin will never be labeled new and improved. The Moabites and the Ammonites were natural enemies of the Israelites. And in Deuteronomy 23 and 3, no Ammonite or Moabite might enter the assembly of God to the 10th generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt. But ladies and gentlemen, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, God changes his mind. And when he does, it's always in our favor. Ruth was a Moabite. And Ruth married a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. And she is the great-grandmother of David. The great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, how good is God? He can reverse every family curse and graft your family tree in the tree of Golgotha, the tree Jesus died on. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter what is in your family tree. Alcoholism, drug abuse, sexual abuse, depression, suicide. God can redeem it all. But wait, there's more. How good is God? Genesis 18 and 20, and then I'm done. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. Who was crying out to God about Sodom and Gomorrah? 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. 
If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. The outcry was coming from Lot. And God went down to see it from Lot's perspective. And he called Lot righteous. Ladies and gentlemen, when I was involved in promiscuous homosexual behavior and still attending a church, one of the people I was with was a man named Stu, and he had full-blown AIDS. And I was being with people that had full-blown AIDS to slowly kill myself. I would still tell Stu about Jesus, and Stu looked at me, and he said, don't tell me about God ever. You don't live what you say you believe. And ladies and gentlemen, his mom called me and told me that he was in a coma. My friend who was a doctor told me that people in a coma can still hear you, though they can't respond. I went to Stu's bedside and saw him in the hospital. And it was the 90s, and I was wearing my gaudy Jinko jeans and my gaudy Jinko vest. And I had a big gaudy ichthus fish necklace around my neck with the Greek letters, Jesus Christ, God, and Savior. And I put that in Stu's hand and I whispered the gospel to him one last time. Walked out of the room and his mom called me back later and she said, Stu's dead and buried. I'm sorry to tell you this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was six months later and I was leading worship at Hope Community Church, two ladies walked up to me and they said, do you know a guy named Stu? And I was pretty embarrassed. And I didn't know what they would say. I said, yeah, I remember him. They said, we had a real estate office across from where he lived. We saw this emaciated man with Kaposi's sarcoma, obviously had AIDS. We thought we'd go over and tell him about Jesus. And as we approached him to start telling him about Jesus, Stu looked at us and he said, I appreciate that. But my buddy Samson told me about Jesus and I accepted the Lord. You guys, God wants to save us more than we want to be saved. And he can redeem it all. But the fact of the matter is we've got to realize some. Romans 6 and 1 says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. God wants to deliver us from whatever we're bound to. God wants to save us. God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water, or deprive the sun of its light, or make space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God, Charles Spurgeon said. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Nothing will separate you from his love. You are more than conqueror. You are seated in heavenly places. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. We can live that. We can believe that. We can stop listening to the stinking thinking and the lies of the devil. 
we can live this life because we're empowered to do so. But at the same time, we can't forget. God wants to save. God wants to save. God wants to save. God can't save anybody who is willing to come to him. I'm sorry I've gone long today. But did you ever realize that the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is the story of the gospel? How good is God? How good is God? How good is God? He's that good. He's just that good. This is the God we serve. God, I thank you. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you brought us out. We, we're not here because we're good enough and we're smart enough. God, we're here because you brought us out. God, you've given us a name. Oh, God, a name not of sinner saved by grace, but saint. God, you can redeem it all, and we pray we would trust you. We would trust you, Lord, to even redeem family curses, oh, God. No reason for us to stay entangled to any bondage, because you said greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you for your crazy love for us. Help us trust you now. In Jesus' name, amen.